This July 15th MLB betting picks show edition of the MLB gambling podcast on the sports gambling podcast network is brought to you by Circa sports. Circa sports is back with their circus survivor and Circa millions contest. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details over at circusports.com. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, July the 14th, currently 5.04 on the East Coast, here to give our lock, dog, and total picks for the Saturday games on July 15th, our turbo episode as we usually do it here on Fridays. Not maybe, uh, or we don't have a Futures Friday episode or topic for today, but maybe we can get some thoughts from Scott on if he has any teams that he's looking to back or uh, fade for the second half of the season. But if you guys didn't get a chance to uh, listen to our second half preview with myself and Malcolm, highly recommend to go back and listen to that. We gave out some winners, or just not, hopefully some winners, but we give out some uh, updated division uh, winners, uh, also player prop markets, awards markets, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, definitely go back and listen to it. But joining me as well here, like I mentioned, it's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? How are you feeling? Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, ended up having some action in tennis earlier today. Basically split. Uh, unfortunate that Center could not win the first set because – I might have uh, had my lock and dog parlayed, which would have been a nice like 10 to 1 payout, but it is what it is. Alcaraz took care of business. I had a minus one and a half sets. He won in straight sets. So it could have been a better morning, could have been a worse morning. But either way, we got baseball. So looking forward to the games. Yeah, baseball's back. I know you guys did the uh, episode on um, uh, for the Friday games uh, starting here shortly. Uh, but we're recording a couple hours before first pitch on the Friday games, but here to discuss our Saturday picks. Like I mentioned, we'll go through our lock. We'll go through our dog and total. Uh, maybe, you know, kick the tires on some things that we've seen around MLB as well for the second half of the season. Um, so let's just get into our picks and then maybe uh, we'll talk about some other stuff, Scott. But uh, let's start with our total pick for the Saturday games. You want to lead us off? Uh, sure. So for the total pick, I'm going to go to Coors Field and a matchup between the Yankees and the Rockies. And you see Schmidt pitching against Seabold. And I think with that being the case, you know, I'm not taking an under. I'm going to go with the mm-hmm. over at 11 and a half. Uh, I know that the number might seem a little bit high, but once again, with this pitching matchup, I really don't think it's high enough. Schmidt, for the most part, has been okay. However, we know Coors Field isn't exactly friendly to pitchers who want to use their off-speed stuff, and Schmidt does rely pretty heavily on his slider. So I do think that could be a problem in Coors, not to mention the fact that his numbers this season have been worse on the road than at home. And so far this season, he does have a 5.18 ERA. He's also never pitched in Coors Field before, which is never a fun time for your first experience. So I do think he's in line to potentially get shelled in this matchup. He's been okay lately. I mean, he's been hovering around like five innings, three runs. But with Coors, I think he might struggle in this outing. Meanwhile, Seabold's been a mess, and you kind of wonder why he's still in the rotation. And then you remember it's the Rockies, so why would they even bother changing anything? But he's a 6.65 ERA in general. His ERA at home is 6.41. The last couple starts to read off the stats here, three and two-thirds, three runs, five innings, eight runs, 
five innings, four runs, and three innings, nine runs. The point is, even though I have roasted the Yankees' offense for the last month and change, which is completely warranted because the Yankees have not been very good since yeah. Judge got injured, the point is I can see a world where either either offense go crazy, both offenses have very good games. The point is I think that this total is too low, and I do think before game time it should be bet up to 12.5. But with Schmidt, who's never pitched in course field before, and with Seabold's really bad numbers this season, I think you're going to see a lot of runs in this game. So give me the over 11 and a half, and you can find that around minus 110, minus 115. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, Connor Siebel has absolutely been a uh, gas can, especially over the last five games for the uh, Colorado Rockies. Last five games, 0-4 at 9.93 ERA. 22 and two-thirds innings pitch in that span. Scott, he's allowed 25 earned runs, uh, nine home runs he's allowed in that span as well. And at Coors Field, like you mentioned, he has, just has not been very good. Uh, 0-3 with a 6.41 ERA. And the um, Rockies have lost each of his last four starts by at least two earned runs in those games. And again, or like I mentioned, those uh, over the last five games allowed nine home runs as well. So... Um, I know the uh, Yankees have been missing Aaron Judge with the injury that he did suffer. I think I did see a note that no timetable yet for his return. But the bats, like you mentioned, they, they've uh, they've been producing, especially against left-handed pitching. I know Connor Siebel's not left-handed, um, but they've been able to score runs. And I think we could honestly throw the stats out the window when you, when you mentioned, you know, pitchers going into Coors Field that, you know, obviously it's a hitter's ballpark in altitude. So. Plenty of runs to be scored here in this uh, game, I believe so as well. So I'm right there with you um, on that over. Um, all right, for my total, I am going to go over to the Chicago White Sox and the Atlanta Braves game. Um, I see this number currently at eight and a half tomorrow with a little bit of vig towards the over minus 120. We have Lance Lynn on the mound for the Chicago White Sox and Spencer Strider on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. Um I'll start with Spencer Strider here. He's been really good at home. Uh, obviously, he is, uh, I believe he's the odds-on favorite uh, for the, or he's, I think he's either tied for the Cy Young Award in the National League. But nine home starts this season in Atlanta for Spencer Strider. The Braves are 8-1 and one straight up in those games, but they're also 8-1 and one towards the over in those games. The Braves are averaging seven runs per game uh, in those nine home starts for um, Spencer Strider when he is on the mound. And the, uh, the opposition is also uh, scoring about four and a half runs in those nine starts as well when Spencer Strider's on the mound. Um, also on the other side, Lance Lynn. I mean, there's no secret. He's been atrocious this season for the White Sox. I know he had one great start. I believe it was against the Mariners. We had 16 strikeouts, but the White Sox still found a way uh, to lose that game. Uh, but the over is also 12-5 and five in uh, 17 starts made by Lance Lynn this season. They're 60% uh, on the road uh, this season um, in Lance Lynn starts. And we talk about Atlanta, especially this time of the year, where it's absolutely scorching hot. It's in the upper 90s. Uh, even though this game is in the evening, it's still going to be hot, and obviously that only helps the over. Uh, and again, I wouldn't not be surprised here, Scott, if uh, the Braves did the bulk of the scoring. If they, I wouldn't be surprised if they scored all nine runs by themselves here. So you can attack this a couple ways if you want to take the Braves team total over. That's probably number is going to be at five and a half with Vic towards the over, obviously. Uh, but I think that eight and a half, I think the White Sox can score a couple here, but I do expect the Braves to do the bulk of the scoring here. So uh, for my total here, Scott, I'm going to take the over eight and a half between the Braves and the White Sox. Yeah, I guess my question for you is if you expect the Braves to do a lot of the heavy lifting, you're not sold on Chicago. Is there a reason why you took the full game total over instead of the team total? 
Yeah, I did this last week as well. I think they were in uh, Tampa last week. Um, and I think I gave out both plays, uh, the Braves team total over. I think that game ended up like six to one. Um, but yeah, I think only reason I took it there is that you get all nine at bats when you're on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, if it comes out at five and a half for the Braves, uh, I, I would probably put a full unit on that uh, as well. So um, I'll give out both. Yeah, Braves team total over and full game over. So if you want to take also first five team total over, I mean, I know the Braves score early and often as well. Uh, that number is probably going to be at three and a half at plus money as well. So um, yeah, I think the better angle may be just to attack the Braves team totals in this game. Yeah, uh, by the way, Strider is currently the second favorite behind Gallon for the Zion. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, uh, before we get over to our dog picks for these Saturday games, let me tell everyone about Circa Sports. NFL season is slowly creeping up, and uh, the Circa Millions and the Circa Survivor Contest are officially back over at Circa Sports. $14 million in guaranteed prizes is up for grabs. Circus Millions, you pick five NFL picks uh, against the spread each week. You get a pick correct. You get a point. You climb the leaderboard. Try to get into that money bracket. And also the Circus Survivor Contest. You guys know how Survivor Contests work. Just pick a different money line uh, team each week. The only caveat is, obviously, once you, make, uh, once you select a team, you can't use that team for the rest of the season. You can enter only in Vegas, but you can play from anywhere. That means if you are outside of Nevada, uh, you would need a proxy. But uh, Sports Gambling Podcast, Sean and Ryan, will be out there the last weekend of August for Circa uh, Sports Weekend. Uh, you can get all the details. Go over to CircaSports.com for all the details. Again, CircaSports.com for the two contests happening for the NFL season. All right, Scott, let's get into our dog picks for this uh, Saturday games. What do you got? So for my dog pick, I was trying to find something substantial, but I couldn't exactly find one. So I'm going to go with a baby dog, but it's going to be in a matchup between the Marlins and the Orioles. And for this one, I am going to go with Miami around plus 102, give or take, maybe shop around and find a plus 105. Point is, it's a small underdog, but I do think that the Marlins should be favored in this game. Baltimore, I get it. They're very good at home. I like that team. I know you like that team. I don't mind Miami, too. But I got to at yeah. least look at the pitching matchup, and I have to acknowledge that Miami has the better starting pitcher. Uh, to go through the actual pitching matchup, you have a pretty underrated option there in Garrett getting the start for Miami. And you're looking at his numbers lately. They've been okay, five innings, three runs for the most part, which I guess is kind of average at best. But you're looking at Miami's performances when Garrett has pitched, and they've won basically all of his starts for the last two months. Uh, to go through the game log here, uh, Garrett in his last, sorry, just pulling it up right now, uh, seven, eight, Miami's won each of his last eight starts. And if you look at Garrett's road numbers this season, he has a 2.14 ERA. So he's been very good on the road and pretty average at home. But I do think once again, since it is a road game, he's in line for a good outing, but you're looking at who's pitching for Baltimore. And I know it's a pitcher that's been around the block a few times that I feel like most people don't exactly like. It's Kyle Gibson, who was yep. pretty decent last start, but for the most part, wasn't exactly dominating for the last couple of weeks leading into the All-Star break. I'm not sold to him as a pitcher. I think he's fine. We kind of know what he is. He's been worse at home than on the road this season as he has a 5.19 ERA. But simply put, I think when, when you're looking at a pitcher who's done pretty well lately, especially on the road, you're looking at a team that's won each of his last eight starts. I'll take Miami at plus money. 
because there's a couple ways to win it. Either Garrett pitches very well, or maybe Gibson gets shelled. I'll take the small amount of plus money with the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Braxton Garrett has been absolutely fantastic for this uh, Marlins pitching rotation this season. Uh, in his 17 starts this season, the uh, Marlins are 14-3 and three overall. And like you mentioned, on the road, he's been absolutely brilliant as well. 7-2 and two straight up are the Marlins, his nine starts as well. And again, uh, Kyle Gibson, he's just inconsistent, man. I mean, like you mentioned, it, like he's he at home hasn't been very good. I mean, that his record also indicates he's 10-9. and nine, So you, sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get out of Kyle Gibson. Uh, but at home this season, uh, when Kyle Gibson is on the mound, the uh the, sorry the Orioles are just four and four in those eight starts so um those Marlins team is kind of underrated man I know that they've been uh pitching really well especially that pitching staff and we talk a lot about Sandy on this pod I know you guys talked about it yesterday as well he's starting to not really starting to look like the Cy Young pitcher that he was last season but he's been pretty good over his last couple starts for the Marlins so if they're able to you know find a way to get Sandy going and obviously how great of a season Braxton Garrett's having for this Marlins team um, you know, this could be a sneaky team in the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to make a World Series run, but um, they've ex- certainly ex- exceeded expectations thus far of the season. Again, that's been really led by their pitching rotation, especially by the name of Braxton Carrot. So I uh, can't hate that pick. Um, all right, for my dog for the Saturday games, I am going to go to the San Francisco Giants. I'm going to take the run line minus one and a half. Uh, see it at plus 110 currently over on DraftKings. Again, uh, shop around. You may be able to find a better number for the uh, Giants run line here. So I'm currently seeing Alex Cobb is going to get the start here for the Giants and Johan Aviedo gets the start here for the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. I'll start here with um, Johan Aviedo, and he's been awful. Uh, I guess there's no better way to put it for the Pirates this season. His 18 starts this season. The Pirates are just six and 12 straight up and they're five and nine on the plus one and a half run line. So the opposition would be uh, nine and five on the minus one and a half run line with Aviedo starting. The numbers are even worse over the last five starts uh, where Aviedo is 0 and five with a 6.21 ERA in that span. The Pirates have lost each of the last five games when Aviedo has started by at least two runs in uh, by at least two earned runs, I should say in for the last five starts and the pirates have scored two runs uh, or less in four of the last five starts. And they've been shut out in four of his last five starts. So he's not looking, he's not getting the run supports what I'm trying to say pretty much. Um, and again, now you're going to miss the giants team who's still in contention in that NOS division. Uh, it's the Dodgers, it's the diamondbacks and it's the giants right now. So, when you're facing teams like these pirates who have, you know, regressed um, after the start that they did have to this season. Um, I'm going to fade this team. I think this is going to be a team that you want to fade in the second half of the year. I'll get over to Alex Cobb, who's getting the start here for the Giants. He's in 16 starts this season. The Giants are 12 and four straight up when he gets the start. They're seven and three on the minus one and a half run line as well. And the opposition is only scoring 3.3 runs um, in his starts with Alex Cobb and the Giants are five and zero in his last five starts before the all-star break. And four of those five wins have come by at least two runs for the Giants with Alex Cobb on the mound. So, um, but I have the better pitcher here. I have the better offense in my eyes as well. Um, at a plus price here on the run line for the Giants and fading Aviedo mostly. I'll take the Giants minus one and a half plus one ten here, Scott. Got him on that play. I saw that Oviedo, besides his bad numbers, he's gotten killed lately. So I tend to follow recent form pretty uh, pretty heavily. And Cobb was underratedly an all-star. 
And I feel like people didn't really realize it. He's been very, very good this year. And I do think that once again, getting a guaranteed nine to bats as the road team is definitely a bonus. I like that play quite a bit. All right, before we get over to our log picks for the Saturday games, um, we're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. There's so many different ways to win over on Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many different states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com using promo code SGPN. All right, Scott, let's get into our lock picks here for the Saturday games. What do you got, my man? All right, uh, so for my lock, I'm going to go to the matchup between Houston and the Angels. And for this one, I am going to go with Houston on the money line at around minus 138. Simply put, you have Valdez taking on Detmers. And Detmers has been kind of a mixed bag this season. He's had some good moments, though. But Valdez is currently the favorite to win the Cy Young Award in the American League. We know how good he is. We know how much better Houston has been playing over the last couple of weeks, which is why they've really cut down on that Texas division lead quite quickly. But you're looking at the Angels, and their team's extremely injured, as you ended up seeing Trout and Rendon. I'm shocked Rendon and Trout got hurt again. I don't know about you, but the point is... supremely shocked. Very. But the point is they're not available anymore. So the Angels, everyone every year expects this team to fall apart, probably because of injuries, and it happened right before the break. Meanwhile, you're looking at Houston, and once again, this team's been playing some good baseball. And I'm looking at... The overall pitching matchup, Detmers, don't get me wrong, he's been fine. Uh, for the most part, he's been, you know, uh, you know, pretty decent. But I do think, once again, Valdez is the much better pitcher, and you're looking at what I have to expect from what we saw right before the All-Star break. The Astros are the much better team. I, I don't think it's really debatable. Even with Detmers' good numbers, his record's only 2-6, and six, which means that he hasn't really gotten much run support so far this season. Uh, you're looking at his last start. He wasn't very good. Gave up seven runs in three and a third against the Dodgers. He was pretty good in his last three home starts. But once again, Valdez I just thinks the much better pitcher. Houston's the much better team. And with the Angels missing Trout and Rendon, their lineup's definitely going to be weaker. Give me Valdez and the Astros to get it done. I'll take him at minus 138. Yeah, we got a double lock here because I took the Astros money line here as well as my lock. And and for all the reasons that you did mention, um, and it's really been what Fran, uh, Framer Valdez has been just so dominant um, against the Angels. But on the road this season, he hasn't been, been too bad either. He's 4-2 and two with a 3.23 ERA. And again, like I mentioned, he's just been dominant against the Angels. This season, he's already faced the Angels twice. He's pitched uh, 15 innings in those two starts against the Angels. He's only allowed one earned run uh, in those two games against the Angels. And um, on the road in Angel Stadium since 2020, he's 3-1 and one with a 2.41 ERA and six appearances in, the, in that span against the Angels on the road. Um, and since the, let's see here, I think I had pulled up, since the 2021 season, Framber Valdez against the Angels. The Astros are 7-1 and one straight up. They're four and two on the minus one and a half run line, and they're two and zero on that plus one and a half run line as well. So, um, and like you mentioned, the injuries that the Angels are dealing with with Mike Trout and Andy Rendon, those are two of your better bats in that lineup. Um, so yeah, uh, it makes a lot of sense here to take the Astros. Um, and again, like you mentioned, Reed Detmers, 
Now, I haven't, I'm not a Reed Edwards guy. I know he had the what the no hitter last year, or the year before, yeah. but uh, he hasn't been very good against the Astros either. In five appearances, uh, he's one and two with a 4.62 ERA. Angels overall are one and four straight up, and they've allowed uh, an average of 5.2 runs per game to the Astros in those five appearances when Denver has faced them. So um, I have the better pitcher on the mound, definitely have the better offense, even though the Astros are still missing Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. They are starting to rehab assignments here on Friday night, which is about 10 minutes away from me. So they should be back next week uh, for the Astros. So um, this Astros team, hopefully they can stay healthy. Uh, we talked about uh, how I do like their, uh, their uh, updated regular season win total to go over. I think that's going to start this weekend against the Angels. So I'm right there with you. Double lock for us uh, for the Saturday games, Astros money line, and I'll also sprinkle on that minus one and a half uh, run line as well. Currently see that over on DraftKings. Uh, at plus 130 for the uh, Astros on the run line. Um, all right, so those are going to be our picks for the Saturday games, our lock dog in total. Uh, Scott, I'm going to put kind of put you on the spot here. I know me and uh, Mal did the second half betting preview, but um, I know you scour the markets pretty well. Um, anything that kind of caught your eye, whether it's a regular season win total, a player's awards market, um, a team, or maybe just a team that you're – thinking that was a great second half of the season or a team that you maybe want to fading in the second half of the season. And that's kind of caught your eye. Yeah. So I was looking at a couple of plus money things. Uh, first things first, the reds to win the division. I know it's still at plus plus one thirty. I'm not sure if I'm fully, you know, giving it out because I talked about it a couple months ago when it was at like eight to one or nine to one. So I'm not sure if I want to talk about it again, but I still think Cincinnati's got value uh, for the sake of that division. Milwaukee, we saw last year, traded Hayter at the deadline when they were still competing for something. And I know that Milwaukee is somewhat more concerned about saving money than actually competing for any playoff hopes. So I do think you're going to see the Reds probably buy at the deadline. Uh, We'll see what happens, but maybe they get Giolito. Maybe they get somebody to help the rotation. But we know how good they were when Ellie got called up onward. The Reds, I think, have value at plus 130 still. Once again, you probably wish in hindsight you got in about a month or two ago, but still, uh, it's a bad division. Milwaukee has done well against Cincinnati, so it actually is a pretty important series over the weekend. But Mm -hmm. I do think when you're looking at the value itself, I find it pretty weird that Cincinnati is currently leading the division and they're still plus money. I don't really understand that, but Cincinnati to win the division was the first one I was kind of tempted by. Uh, The other one I was going to look at was the Yankees to miss the playoffs which I found at plus 145. Simply put, as a Yankees fan, the season's kind of gone the way that I thought it would. Mm -hmm. I thought this team would be a decent team that was not going to win the division, that was probably going to be fighting for a wild card spot, and it's kind of where we're at. And Judge, unfortunately, got injured. He said even when he comes back, he is still going to feel some pain in that toe, so it does seem like he needs some offseason surgery for it. But you're looking at what the Yankees have currently – and it's a pretty decent it's a pretty decent roster with a very large payroll. And you're looking at the Stan contract, you're looking at the Donaldson contract, the Judge contract because he's injured. Rodon's only pitched in one game this year. There's a lot of bloated contracts from what we've seen so far from this team. Not to mention the fact that they used their hitting coach as a scapegoat and they hired somebody with no coaching experience to be the new hitting coach, which I don't Mm -hmm. really understand, but it seems like Aaron Boone and Sean Casey are friends from their time in Cincinnati together. 
So we're going to see what happens there. But it felt like the Yankees made a scapegoat move where they maybe recognize under the surface that the problem's cashman and ownership, but they're not going to admit that. So they're going to fire some coaches, rearrange some deck chairs, and hope it fixes something. But realistically, until Judge comes back, I have no faith in this offense. And I do think, once again, with his comeback being uncertain, them to miss the playoffs at plus 145, they're currently out of the playoff picture. And you're looking at the actual division that they're in. Toronto's ahead of them. Baltimore's ahead of them. We know the Rays are ahead of them. Even the Red Sox are in last place, but they were playing really good baseball before the end of the before the start of the All Star break, and yeah. they're above five hundred too. So the Yankees are in the toughest division. The wild card won't be easy. They have no chance of winning the division. So if you want to talk about some value plus one forty five, I think it's a good price. Yeah, I know. I, I I gave out the Yankees ten to one to win the division and the second half uh, betting preview, but it. it what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think that um, the bigger concern is the Aaron judge injury, obviously your former MVP, your best hitter by far. Um, and then again, I wouldn't be surprised if they do miss the playoffs, but I think there's a possibility that it could come together for them as well. And I feel like there is some regression coming for the Rays um, and the, um, and the Orioles as well a little bit, because I'm not still on their pitching rotation uh, as much as others. Other bullpen is great. Uh, but for well, well, the Tampa's build up a massive lead, I, I think Tampa yeah. long term are frauds, but I think that yeah. for the sake of a playoff picture, they've given themselves such a big cushion, they're going to make the playoffs, maybe. yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, anything else you like? Uh, so those were main the main two. I was tempted by the Guardians win the division at around okay. plus 145. It's mostly just expecting the twins to fall apart again because I'm still not sold on Baldelli as a manager. You're looking at Buxton's career games played, and you break it down season by season. He's been relatively healthy this year. He still missed roughly 20 games, but you're going through his overall career log, and I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to get hurt again in the second half of the season. Correa has been a mess. Not sure what his story is going to be, but we saw the same thing with Minnesota last year where this team was winning the division. It was really bad, and suddenly you look up and the Guardians are passing them in the rearview mirror. And it feels like that's what's happening again this year. Cleveland might not be a great team, but they're consistent. Their pitching's pretty good, and they've won this division each of the last two years. It's mostly just having no faith in the Twins to actually finish the job. And they had a much bigger lead about a month ago or so. It's not the same thing as the AL West, but they had a lead kind of similar to Texas's, mm-hmm. And you've seen it being dwindled away over the last couple of weeks. Now Cleveland's half a game ahead. I think Cleveland a plus money is another good value play because that division's a circus, but at least Cleveland's been there before and done that before. So I have faith in them to actually get the job done. Yeah, I know I picked Cleveland at the beginning of the season. Um, and again, what you just mentioned is that Minnesota's pitching rotation has been, I think, one of the best uh, thus far this season, led by you know Sonny Gray at home, Joe Ryan, Bailey Over. Those guys have been really good. It's just the offense – has been a hot mess uh, for this uh, Twins team. And on paper, it looks like they have a great pitching, sorry, a, a great hitting uh, lineup, but it just hasn't panned out for them uh, that way that, you know, we all would have thought. And it's, I think it's been a theme for that division as well. And again, Guardians offense as it hasn't been much better, but I'd rather trust Terry, Frank, uh, Terry Francona in a spot uh, to will a team to make the playoffs and win the division. So uh, I am sitting on that Guardians ticket from the beginning of the season at plus money. Um, 
PVDBJ has a question for us. Maybe we can answer this before uh, we get out of here. I don't know if you guys have any more questions, we can answer them before we get out of here. But he has Wander Franco 30 to 1 for AL MVP. Is it possible Otani sits a bit of a bit because of the finger injury or becomes a problems and he sits sitting on Corey Seager at 16 to 1? Wander Franco 30 to 1. Uh, AL MVP seems smart or no. So right now, obviously, I think you already know this. Um it's right now it's Otani minus 800 versus the field. Um, and I think that kind of tells you what everybody thinks of, or at least the betting market thinks of what Otani has been able to do this season. Uh, now the question does become, does he get traded? If he goes over to a national league team, does he still qualify to win the air American league MVP? I don't know the rules about that. Again, there's some other pods that I've listened to. They don't know either. Uh, but for me, I think that if the well, fingers... well, the rules no, the, he, he's okay. not going to win the award if he gets traded to the National League. That's just not okay. going to happen. Yeah, so I think you're you're sitting on pretty good tickets, in my opinion. Um, but the, addressing the finger issue, he is starting on Friday night, so I think if it was an issue, they wouldn't be putting him out there, especially against the Astros. Um, but I, I don't think I don't see a world where he does get traded here by the trade deadline coming up in a couple of weeks here. Scott, do you think he gets traded or do you think he's sitting put? I think he should, but I think that the angels front office is incompetent. So I think that they're going to keep him. But uh, at the end of the day, if I'm Otani, I wouldn't want to stay. Yeah. I, I don't think your team is very good. You're a bad, you're a poorly run franchise. Your owner's a mess. And a lot of the fans wanted him fired. Then he was trying to sell the team and decided, you know what, I'm changing my mind. So I got no faith in the Angels to actually do the right thing here. Uh, having said that, I do think the Angels are going to do whatever they can to keep Otani, which is why they won't trade him, because they're yeah. going to be so desperate and so, I'd say, optimistic of their chances to persuade him to sign during the offseason. I'm not sure how much he's going to get paid. It might be $600 million. Like I don't know what a player like him is worth. But the Angels, with their ownership, it's just an absolute mess. And I do think you can agree with a player of this magnitude and this skill. Most teams might just go down with the ship where they just say, listen, he's the best player in the league. We're, I know we can trade him for a bunch of assets, but we have to try to keep him. And I think it's going to blow up in their face. So for me, I think that he doesn't get traded. I would trade him because I do yeah. think the Angels are not going to be as likely to re-sign him as other people might think. Yeah. But I think they're going to try to keep him, and I think it's going to fail. Yeah, I don't think he's staying there. I think his days are numbered in 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 uh, as a player for the LA Angels. And it would be a different story if this team was actually making the playoffs because you arguably have the second-best player on your roster as well, Mike Trout. But his problem has been over the last several seasons – He's been getting injured. And again, right now, we're after the All-Star break. He's going to miss probably another, what, four to five weeks here uh, with an uh, injury to Mike Trout. And Otani, I know he's said it that he wants to win. And it's not happening with LA, uh, at least with the Angels right now. Maybe he goes over to the Dodgers, uh, whether that's in the offseason. I think you're right. I agree with you that he should get traded if the Angels are smart. Because I think they know in the back of their mind that he's probably going to walk no matter how much money you're paying him. Again, all the other 31 other teams are going to give him a blank check. There's no question about that. And I, I do think he's worth $600 million because he's always in the conversation for Cy Young. He's a great pitcher. The hitting speaks for himself. I mean, he's an MVP. He could be MVP every single year. And if Ota or if sorry, if Aaron Judge didn't do what he did last season with the 60-plus home runs, he would have an MVP again. So 
it kind of goes back to the kind of maybe an NBA, uh, NBA comparison, Scott, of, of the Joker, right? Like he gets better every single season, but um, is it kind of voter fatigue? But again, the stats speak for themselves, especially for a guy that does it on both sides of the baseball. I was going to say, does like, voter fatigue exist for a guy that's this unicornish? I don't think so. I don't think it yeah, does either. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, so I t- I'll take that back. But yeah, again, it just makes sense of that the the Angels should trade him. So kind of going back to TVDBJ's question, I what I would do is I would monitor the betting markets and then I would like have my eyes glued to news about if the heating the rumors are heating up uh, for Otani, and I would put some money down on maybe a Seager and a Wander Franco or. or if you want to take a flyer on a Jordan Alvarez at 150 to 1, 201, when he does come back, he should be back next week uh, for this Houston Astros team. So, um, yeah, um, I think that's it. I don't see any other questions from the chat. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I was tempted by. I saw a pretty heavily juiced play, which you might need a decent bankroll, but I do think it was worth a look. It was, will there be a first-time winner? Uh, for the World Series, and I saw the no was at like minus 260. Mm-hmm. How many teams are you fading? You're fading uh, Tampa, you're yeah. fading Seattle, who might not mm-hmm. make the playoffs. I don't think Tex- they do. Texas, don't trust I mean, they might be in the wild card, but we'll see. I, how many teams are you realistically fading? Like 260, I know that it's a juicy play, but there's a lot of teams that have won a World Series before. Milwaukee has not won one, but they're not going to win a title. No. How many teams are you actually realistically worried about besides maybe Tampa? And I think Tampa's fraudulent. I feel I just feel like we're in a collision course for the Astros and the Braves. At least the Braves are sure coming out of the National League. Um, American League, Astros are going to get it together. They're going to get their two guys back. The pitching is a little concerned for the Astros, but they're still top five in bullpen and starting pitching ERA. Um, any other teams? Toronto's won one, haven't they? Back in like yeah, 90s. Had the Joe Carter home runs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't hate it. On the list, there's a lot of teams that have won. Yeah. Like, nothing I, comes I know to mind. 60, but that should be a lot higher, shouldn't it? You're basically only fading Tampa. Yeah. I don't trust Tampa. They're a great regular season team, but when it comes to the playoffs and they either they face the Astros or they face even the Red Sox when they won their title in 2019 or they faced them. Um, um, when the Astros made it to the World Series and lost to Atlanta, I believe the Red Sox played Tampa in that first round, and they beat them like three games to one. So, yeah, I don't trust the Tampa Bay race to get it done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's minus 260, but I feel that kind of feels like a cheap price. How is that not higher, though? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really just trying to look around at some teams. I guess the argument is the AL, in terms of top-heavy talent, might be a little bit weaker because you this get year. to fade the, you get to avoid the Braves until the potential World Series. Yeah. But looking at the AL, I mean, you have Tampa and Texas, so I guess the argument is well, you know, one of those teams is probably going to make a seriously deep run. So the yeah. Rays might be in the World Series, but in Sander to touch upon why I think the Rays are fraudulent, just watching them the last couple of weeks and the fact that you look at their overall numbers in the first month of the season, compared to since then, they've still been good, but they have not been elite. I feel like the record's very, very padded from the first month of the season. And because of that, you're, they're looking at him as some type of juggernaut. It might just be the lineup and what I've seen in the playoffs in years past. I know that they're averaging a lot of runs per game, but maybe it's just 
the eye test, but I feel like most of the batters in that lineup don't exactly scare me. Yeah. The rotation, I think, is fine. Uh, assuming Glass now turns out to you know, stay healthy. I know he's had some cramping issues lately. I feel like Tampa, once again, though, year in, year out, they're a very solid team, but they seem to run into a team that is just solid offensively, and Tampa doesn't score enough runs. I feel like that's kind of the problem here, but just going down the line for Tampa, the main reason why I kind of have some issues with them, I am not sold on the lineup, and I know it sounds kind of crazy because, once again, they're top three in runs per game, but I none of those hitters really scare me that much. You can argue that, you know, maybe that's what makes them so good because they can move the baton and they can just pass it along, but I see it year in, year out. They're a very good team that seems to always get somewhat exposed in a playoff series, usually in a four out of seven. And you mentioned the Red Sox series, and the Red Sox were able to beat them because Tampa couldn't hit in a decent amount of those games. So the point is, if you're asking me right now why I think the Rays are fraudulent, maybe they're good enough to win the AL. But I said this a couple weeks ago. If if the Braves are facing off against Tampa, I'm picking the Braves in like five. Yeah, I agree. But – I don't see many teams that have not won a title before that I think can realistically win a title. You can argue Tampa, and I'm not going to immediately dismiss them entirely, Mm. but I don't think they're good enough to beat Atlanta. And I think if you told me right now the Orioles would beat Tampa in a playoff series, would I be shocked? Not really, to be honest. Like I think the Orioles can do it, but I think Tampa is a very good baseball team but I think they're also a vulnerable top seed in the playoffs. Yeah. And they're also, I think one injury away from not, or I guess um, let's say that, let's say Wander Franco and, or, or Randy Rosen where Raina go down. God forbid they have some type of injury. I mean, that, that significantly hinders your your batting lineup. And same thing on the other side, right? Like you mentioned, like Tyler Glass, now he's coming off of the, the significant injuries, and he's also already dealing with cramping, which is kind of crazy because Tampa obviously plays inside of a, a dome as well. But um, let's say McClanahan, God forbid, goes down, or Tyler Glass now goes down. Again, that's that back end of the rotation. I don't trust Zach Eflin in the playoffs. I know he's had a great season, especially at home in Tropicana, but – they're also one injury away from either side of the baseball about not being a contender with some of the other teams that we talk about, like the Astros, right? Even without Jordan, we've seen it throughout the season that without Jordan, without, you know, Jose Altuve, they've been able to still score runs beyond the bats of Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, Marquiso Dubon. Uh, the list goes on for that team. And again, the pitching as well, they lost a couple of guys. Lance McCullers hasn't been able to get healthy over the last several years. Luis Garcia went down, but they've had guys step up from their minor league system that came up and have been pitching really well. We talked about JP France at volumes. Um, Hunter Brown has been really good for them as well. And now they're going to get their guys back. I just feel like it's going to, I think the Astros are still 10 to 1 to win the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that price somewhere. So, um, yeah, uh, again, it, it's this season, like you mentioned, Scott, it seems like there's a weak, weaker. Um, competition than years past for sure so yeah we'll keep an eye obviously we'll talk about this more until we we'll, as we get towards uh, the playoffs well, well i just wanted to season. kind of add on that yeah. last point because a big reason why i'm a little bit lower on tampa than other teams is because of the fact that they don't spend any money yeah and i know baseball is kind of an unfair game because of some teams that are willing to actually go out and be the dodgers and spend monopoly money and just get whatever players they want and you have other teams like Oakland who don't actually try to win and they try to just 
maximize profit and sell the team or sell the or move to move to uh, Vegas, for example. But the Rays have been a very good team for a while, and they're a very well-run organization when it comes to maximizing the talent they get on the field for the limited amount of money they spend. The problem is because they don't spend any money, they have no depth. So anytime you see a superstar player get injured, they don't really have many backup options. And I just want to read off some of the names of teams that have won recently. You have the Astros, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Nationals, the Red Sox, the Astros, the Cubs. You have the Royals. So I guess the we'll go. We'll stop That's there. So for random. Now. <laughs> well, the Royals. Then again, they had a lot of homegrown talent for a lot yeah. of guys that did get paid a lot of money elsewhere. So that was kind of I don't want to say a fluke situation, but they hit home run after home run with the farm system. Were able to win a title. Yeah. But from 2016 onward to 2022. That's a lot of massive salary caps. Yeah. A lot of really, really expensive teams to build, and they all win titles. And you can argue, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to compare it to the Premier League. I know Leicester City did win a title, but you make an argument that the team that spends more money obviously has a massive advantage to win the World Series, and the Rays never spend money. Yeah. So you look at the roster when they get to a playoff series of four out of seven matchup against either the Red Sox in years past, the Astros this year potentially, you're looking at maybe Texas who spent a lot of money as well. A lot of positions, they're outmanned because they don't spend money on actually getting elite players. And I know Tampa, I don't want to say that they use smoke and mirrors because it's disrespectful to the analytics department and what they do as a franchise. But I don't think it's a coincidence that they're a constantly high-ranked top-seed team and they lose before the World Series a decent amount of the time. It just feels like it's because of the way that the franchise runs operations, which is being a very good team that doesn't spend any money, and they get exploited in the playoffs. Is that a fair synopsis of the last, I don't know, 10 years of the race? Yeah, I mean, look, they've made the playoff, sorry, the World Series twice in the last 15 years. 2020, the COVID year. I was going to say, um, if you want to count the COVID yeah, year, I know people to. hold it against the Dodgers that it doesn't really count, but if you yeah. want to count it for the Rays, I guess you can. Yeah, but, and the last one prior to that was 2008, uh, where the Phillies won it, uh, but they lost that World Series in five games. But prior to that, last year, they lost in the uh, Wild Card Series against the Cleveland Guardians. Prior to that, the AL Division Series in 21 against the Red Sox. Like I mentioned, 2020, they did make the World Series in the COVID year. 2019 division series lost to the Astros. And then prior to that, 2013 was the last time they had made the playoffs and they lost in that division series as well to the Boston Red Sox as well. So I feel like uh, that guardian series, by the way, is like a perfect example of what I'm talking about earlier, yeah. because have they really made many roster changes comparing last year's lineup to this year's lineup? Maybe no. a couple here and there. I know Yandy Diaz's emergence has been huge for the offense, but what they score in that Cleveland series? Like one run in the entire series? Two runs? I, including I like a 19 inning game? Yeah. Um, they, didn't, they didn't score anything. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find it here quickly before we get out of here. So they lost 1 0 and they lost 2 uh, 1. Just 2 1, like right. an 18 inning game. They scored one yeah. run in roughly 27 innings of baseball. Yeah. So it goes back to my point. Tampa on paper can be a very good regular season offense, but come playoff time, I'm not sold on their overall talent in their lineup. And you can make an argument, maybe I'm being a hater as a Yankees fan. I'm definitely not because I've roasted the Yankees more than any other team. But I got to at least just point out the fact that Tampa year in, year out doesn't spend money 
to get the necessary reinforcements to improve the offense. And I remember one of their moves a couple years ago, didn't they acquire like Jesus Aguilar or something as their cheap option to help the offense out? And you're just hoping they actually are willing to make an all-in push, and they never do. They just don't do it. And I think Nelson Cruz, they I thought was Cruz that, was there too. Yeah, but the yeah. point is they constantly make the low budget designated hitter move instead of actually trying to spend real money to give reinforcements. And I think the fact that they're so cheap hurts them in the long run. Yeah, they scored one run last year in twenty-four innings. It was twenty-four, uh, in, I said twenty-seven. You get yeah, but but uh yeah. Uh, all right, so that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the MLB Gambling Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week, as usual. Uh, head on into the second half of the MLB season. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, bud? Not really. Uh, you mentioned the Astros to win the World Series at around 10 to 1. I like that price. I, I don't know if you can have more consistent success in a league than the Astros have had in the last like five, six years. So you're assuming they're going to be in the AL championship series, just based on minimum. So, you know, I would pick Houston probably in a playoff series against Tampa if I had to pick. So I think based on the overall odds right now, I'd feel better about taking the Astros at their price than Tampa at their price. But I think once again, it's the Braves world and we're all living it. Yeah, I agree. They look like they're just on a, on a uh, crash course, at least to get, at least at minimum to get to the World Series. Um, all right. We'll be back next week as usual for the MLB pod. Make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Hey guys, make sure y'all smash that like button before we uh or before you guys get out of here on the stream. If you never already subscribed to the MLB Gambling Podcast YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening to go through the Monday card for the Monday game. So look out for us then. Until then, good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it ride.